And I love that you're here. I just love that you're here. So thank you for being here. Um, we're here to celebrate God, who he is, what he's done for us. We're here to pursue him more deeply. And I'd like to start by reading, we've been reading this passage at the beginning of, of uh, each sermon, just because it's, it's so beautiful. This is Romans 1, 16. Let's read it out loud together. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Isn't that beautiful? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, the more you think about it, the more you, you realize, I'm not ashamed to tell people that there's a truck coming. I'm not ashamed to go out of my way to help you dodge that, you know, to help you get out of trouble. I'm not ashamed to do everything in my power to help you understand that Jesus is salvation, that Jesus is forgiveness. I, I'm not embarrassed about that at all. I mean, I'm not, I would make a fool out of myself. And imagine, I mean, this goes back to the video from a, a week or so ago, but imagine that there is a truck coming and someone's going, oh, I don't want to make a fool out of myself and be like, hey, you, there's a truck coming. So I'm just going to be cool about it. That's how it is, right? That's not how it should be, but that's how it is. We don't want to, we don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to be like aggressive about it. I don't want to, why not? Why not? So we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And it's the right thing to do, right? To tell people. It's just the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. So I told you I was going to do this. Raise your hand if in the last seven days you shared the gospel, you had a spiritual conversation for the purpose of telling someone about the, the love and forgiveness of Christ. Yes, yes. Now, would anyone like to briefly share what that was like? Betty Jo would like to share. I'll come down. Okay. This is the red microphone. You remember the song, he came down to my level because I couldn't no, that's a Christian sorry. <laughs> I was supposed to do this last Sunday, and I got uh, a little embarrassed, and I don't know why, because I'm not embarrassed to share the gospel with non-Christians, but speaking at church is a little more awesome. Last week and this week, we got people coming to our house to fix things, and that's a perfect opportunity, because they're going to stay there to earn their money <laughs> to finish. So they're free game. They're not going to walk out on getting their money from you, right? She's right. And last week, it was the people who came to put some padding down for Neil's chair to go over. And the woman and I clicked just like that, come to find out she was from Peachtree City, right outside of Atlanta. And the man had lived in Valdosta, Georgia, where I'm from. So that's a natural. What I want to tell you is that as I visited with her, he went around here and worked and tended to his business. But I asked her, I said, do you go to church? And she says, well, we had a church back home where we were comfortable. And she told me, I said, well, do you have a church here? Do you go to church? I was going to invite them to my misfits class, you know. That's easy. And then they sleep, sneak into church, you know. And uh, she says, well, no. And I said, and I could tell she was a Christian. And I said, well, has your husband? He doesn't go. She says, uh, I said, has he ever come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior and followed him in baptism? That's it in a nutshell. That's what you got to ask. 
and not be afraid of. And she says, no, but I've been working on him. I said, well, the Jesus needs to work on him. You know, and so, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <clears throat> they're working on Sunday. And uh, this week we had somebody else to come who knows the Bible but can't turn loose, cannot turn loose and, and accept what's happened in his life that he feels responsible for. But I wanted to say that with all the soul winning classes that Neil and I have been through through the years, which when witnessing EE, evangelism, explosion, CWT, they all, what? Continuing witness training. But the main thing is to find something in common with somebody. You can say, wow, what beautiful red hair you have. I have a cousin with red hair. Uh, and you really, that sparks it then. <clears throat> like the what, what was that? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that never fails. People like to hear how gorgeous. And if you're older like I am now, you like to be told, oh, you look so young and beautiful, and people right away. Of course, that might not work for all of us. It sure worked for Jenny. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I have COPD, and I've been singing loud. But get in there and find something in common. We have so much in common. And get the word out that Jesus loves them and died for them on the cross. They need to repent of their sins, yes. They knew accept him as Lord and Savior. And you need to make it public. You need to, to get on board and follow Christ. Just like I had to tell somebody I knew <clears throat> who said, why can't I be gay and be a Christian? Well, I didn't have a scripture for that. Nobody ever taught me a scripture. And here's what I told the person. I said, <clears throat> usually when somebody comes to know the Lord as their Savior, they love him enough that they want to obey him and follow him. And you know, that's, that's what I know. If you want to love Jesus, just do what he says. Yeah. We need to love one another, but get out there and talk about him. It's the easiest thing in the world. Amen. And people come into your house, man, that's easy. And, and we should do it. And it's, it's not hard. I think they admire it. You you've, got, you've got hostages. Well, no. Yeah. No, you know, though, that when they're there, you're trying to prevent them from being injured because someday God never intended for them to go to hell. But the, some people are going to go in spite of him yeah. and in spite of us. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Guys, we're not just talking about it. We're doing it, okay? I need you to do it. It's important, for, it's important for you. It's important for your soul. This is, this is what we do. This is what we do. Um, Kobe Bryant died on Sunday. And um, he was in a helicopter crash and his, with his daughter and a few other people. Um, they died in this, in this accident. And death is a powerful part of the gospel. Death, death can open a conversation if you look for it, it's, it could be a wide open door. And um, this morning, that's what we're going to talk about is opportunities to share the gospel. What, what do they look like and what should I do when an opportunity comes up? If you have a Bible, please open it to Colossians chapter 4. And if you're using the red Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 985. But Colossians is going to be in the, the, last, the last part of the Bible Colossians is a letter written by Paul to Christians living in a Greek city called Colossae. Paul was a missionary 
who uh, started off hating Christians until Jesus changed his heart with the gospel. He became one of the core leaders of the church in, the, in early Christianity after Jesus ascended into heaven. And he wrote this letter, and, and this is toward the end of the letter. This is in chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll come back and we'll look at uh, and make some observations about it. This is uh, Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Continue steadfastly. Colossians chapter 4. Huh. I just got a different version. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll read what you guys are seeing. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I think that's just a different version. Um, but the first thing I want you to notice, forget about the version, the first thing you want to notice is, uh, where is Paul writing this? Prison. He's in prison. Again! Paul's always in prison, right? Why is he in prison? If you look at the passage, why is he in prison? For the gospel. So he's, he's in prison because of the gospel, and while in prison, he's asking for people to pray for him. Why? so that he can have more opportunities to share the gospel. This guy just won't stop. He won't, there's no quit in Paul. I love it. I love it. That God may open a door for the word. That's what he's at. He's saying, pray for us that God may open a door for the word so we can share the gospel some more. And that's how we ought to be, amen? That's how we should be, eager to share the good news, eager to tell people, hoping that there would be an opening for this. And it starts with that verse in verse three. It starts with prayer. So write this down. Pray for opportunities. As you are thinking about sharing the gospel, as you're chasing down what you know that God wants you to do in sharing the gospel, pray for opportunities. Have you found that sometimes the hardest part of sharing the gospel is finding that open door, that, that opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus? Like Betty Jo was saying, uh, something you have in common or something like, uh, uh, Lord, open a door so that I'm not just like running up to someone without warning them and just like slamming them with, you know, you know, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Or something like that. Now, there are people who can do that. I've met people who can do that. I'm personally not one of them, but you, you want to have a conversation. Usually there's something that leads into it. And that for me and for a lot of people, can be the hardest part. You don't want to be too aggressive. You don't want to be awkward. It's not hard to strike up a conversation about the weather. It's not hard to strike up a conversation about football. It's not hard to strike up a conversation about, about politics. You might not want to, but it's not hard. It's not hard to do, but it's hard to strike up a conversation about Jesus, isn't it? Because the gospel is heavy. It can feel hard because the gospel is heavy. And look, it's heavy for Paul too. That's why he's saying, pray that, that God will make, that he'll open a door so that I can share the gospel because I need an opportunity. 
I need someone to talk to. I need a reason to talk to them. So let's take note, a note from Paul, and let's pray for opportunities. Amen? Amen. Pray for open doors. Notice also that Paul calls the gospel a mystery in verse 3. Let me just mention that you don't need to have all the answers in order to share the gospel. Bruce likes to say, if you know enough to be saved by the gospel, you know enough to share the gospel. You don't need all the answers. In fact, you know, because it's a mystery, Paul, Paul asks them when he says, pray that God would open a door. And how does he describe the way that he wants to share the gospel? Does he say, I want to share it. Uh, I want to be funny. Pray that I'm funny when I share the gospel. Pray that I'm persuasive. Does Paul say that? Uh, pray that I'm smart. Pray that I'm like really smart when I share the gospel. So the people go like, wow, he's really smart. She's really smart. What does he say? That I may make it clear. You, we need to share the gospel clearly. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be funny. You know, not everyone can be me. I'm just making sure you're paying attention, okay? You, you just need to be clear. Cl- clarity is key, amen? Because it is a mystery. We're talking about spiritual things. It's not like, it, it, it's, 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 it's not like talking about the weather. It's something heavier to talk about. So share the gospel clearly. Uh, also, here's a pro tip. You ready? When you're going to share the gospel, don't start off with your weird Jesus story. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think everyone's got a story about some something Jesus has done in your life that is, it blew you away, and it's kind of mystical. Something Jesus has done in your life that just, that's just a crazy Jesus moment that you had. I, a lot of people have one. Maybe you don't. But a lot of people have one. That's just not the, for the sake of clarity, that's not the right way to enter into a conversation about Jesus because that's a more, that's a less clear sort of personal moment that you had with Jesus. Okay, so just don't start off with an, with an odd story that only you can relate to because that's not helping the clarity. Okay, anyway, be clear. And then notice in this passage that when it comes to non-believers, and Paul uh, in verse 5 calls them outsiders, Paul's encouragement to the Colossians is to be gracious, to be seasoned with salt, to be flavorful all the time, not just when you're sharing the gospel, but all the time. Speak with grace, be kind. Um, The opposite of that is being judgmental with people who don't know Jesus. And so I'm going to phrase this to you in the negative sense. Paul is making it positive. I'm going to say, don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental with outsiders. Uh, it is, it is uh, the thing that might have bothered Jesus the most. He's always talking against being judgmental against people that aren't following him. We don't judge others. You, we look at someone else, and when we have something in our eye, you know what I mean? Jesus says, take care of yourself. So don't be judgmental. It's, but when you're talking with people who are not Christians, you don't want them to walk away going, oh my gosh, it was like, they're so judgy, okay? That is not the way that Jesus wants us to handle it. We, we need to walk in wisdom, make the best use of our time, let your speech be gracious 
and, and seasoned with salt, flavorful so that you can know how to answer each person. Okay, so don't be judgmental. If you're a Christian, it's your responsibility to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and lived and died for your sins so that you can be forgiven. He paid your penalty so that you don't have to, and Jesus alone can forgive you. It's your responsibility to tell people that. And here in Colossians chapter 4, Paul gives us three important parts of what that's like. Pray that God will open up those opportunities. And then when you get to talking about Jesus and the gospel, be clear about it. And then in general, just don't be judgmental so that you can share the gospel. Otherwise, no one's going to listen to you if you're, just, if you're being judgmental. That's not, that's not what Jesus approves of. Got it? Man, we're going to get out so early. No, I'm just kidding. So we're not done. And I want to share with you um, a, 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 at least a couple. I put three in your outline, and I might only get to two. I might only get to one. We'll find out. Um, but ways to actually share the gospel. Not because I want you to memorize something. Uh, you're not going to go out with a script, but just a, f- a framework for sharing the gospel for the sake of clarity. Amen? Because that can be the hardest thing. Because if you start talking about Jesus, man, you could talk. There's so much to talk about. And so I want to frame it out. And the first way um, that I, that sort of method that I want to give you is called the three circles. And the circles are actually in your outline. You should see them. They got circles and lines. So we're going to, you're going to fill that out and I'm going to write them up here. Um, now a good, uh, open door, an opportunity to share the gospel like this would be anyone who's talking to you about problems. Do, did anybody talk to you about problems? You have any people that are talking, oh, you know, even, you know, oh, my back, you know what I mean? Or, or somebody's sick in my family, or I've got, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in grief, or even people that are just complaining about, you know, the government or taxes or the price of gas or bananas or whatever, right? Anyone who is talking to you about problems in the world, evidence that the world is not perfect. And don't people talk about that all the time, how things aren't great? Aren't people, don't people love to talk about how, how not great things are? Yes, they do, don't they? Okay, wide open door for this, because that kind of, that kind of brokenness, that the world is messed up, amen? That is not how God created it. And so the three circles actually starts with the way that God created it, and we're going to call that God's design. God's design is perfect. The way God created the world to be, not the way it is, the way God created the world to be is beautiful. It's perfect. Everything works together perfectly, and there isn't death, and there isn't cancer, and there aren't Democrats and Republicans. You know what I mean? There, it's perfect. It works. It works. God designed it to work perfectly. And we're at peace with God, and, there's, and, and everything is good. That's how God designed it. It's like uh, um, Aiden had a birthday party yesterday, 
and he got Legos. And when you get a box of Legos, it's got a picture on the front of what the Legos are supposed to build, right? And if you put them together correctly, according to the design, according to the plan, you will get the thing that's on the front, right? But we don't like to do what God wants us to do. We like to do our own thing, man. I don't really like, ah, you know, I, I want to be more creative and free and like, oh, stop holding me back. I want to do my own thing. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible calls that sin. We don't like God's plan. Oh, it's nice, but, but how about, you know, ah. Uh, but this, this fruit looks really good, though, right? So we want to do something else. And when you, when you take the Legos and you don't use them right, you don't get what's on the box. You just don't, okay? And so what you end up with is like something that doesn't work correctly. And that's the brokenness of the world that we live in. And this circle is called brokenness. Brokenness is what we all experience. It's what everyone's complaining about. It's, it's the cause of all of the problems that we have. And it comes because we didn't follow God's design. So, the, so we have to experience this brokenness. Now, within the brokenness that we have, because we still don't like to do it God's way, we still try to fix this. We try to, we try to fix the things that are broken. But the things that we do, our, our efforts are actually what caused the brokenness in the first place. So we use things like religion to try to fix it, but it, it's, it, it, it doesn't actually fix it. And we use you know, maybe drugs and alcohol to, to es- try to escape the brokenness. And we do all kinds of things. We success, education. These are all things that we try to do to make up for the fact that things are broken. I'm trying to overcome the brokenness in the world. I'm trying to fix or secure myself away from the brokenness. The problem is that I am the brokenness. And so we just get different levels and different kinds of broken because of our own attempts to sort of fix it. The the issue is that this kind of brokenness came from a moral failure. Can moral failure be fixed? It can't. It has to be forgiven. You can't fix it. It has to be forgiven. And that's where the gospel comes in because Jesus came in order to provide forgiveness, in order to forgive us for the ways that we broke God's design. He came to forgive us for our sin. And what Jesus himself said is that you have to, first of all, repent. So you're going to write that repent and believe. Repent from this. Repent from your sin and how you've broken things. Come, uh, commit yourself to coming back to God's design and believe in Jesus who shows us what that's like. So repent and believe. And that's called the gospel. Can you guys see that? If you repent from your sins and you believe in Jesus, Jesus sends you 
on a path back to God's design so that you are pursuing. You're going to write pursue. You're going to, you're going to pursue and, and recover what you lost. And that's the gospel. That's the three circles. The nice thing here is that right here at the gospel, if you repent and you believe, Jesus literally cleanses your soul. He takes away all of your own brokenness. He forgives you and he sends you on this path back. And then when we mess up and we sin, we repent of our sins and we trust in Jesus some more. And the gospel is that Jesus continually forgives us. So he keeps forgiving us and we keep chasing God's design. As Christians, we live right here. Amen? We live, our soul lives here. We, we, we sin and then we come back here. We sin and then we repent and then we come back here because the Holy Spirit convicts us. He, he, part of the gospel is that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit who keeps reminding us that this is, this is what sin looks like and this is how we get back. So we live here. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. We don't live here. One day, we will. But we don't live here yet. We live here in constant pursuit of Jesus, in constant pursuit of God's plan, God's design, doing things God's way. Amen? If you're not a Christian, for people in your life who aren't Christians, you live here in brokenness. Trying your best to, to make up for it, trying your best to sort of uh, deal with it, but it's not getting you anywhere. Think about it like this. People who don't have a relationship with Jesus where he's forgiven you of your sin, they're this close to being completely forgiven of all of the ways that they've gone against God's plan, all of their sin. They're this close Who tells them that they're this close? You do. I do. It is our responsibility to tell people, you're literally this close from being completely forgiven for all of the things that you've ever done and ever will do. You're this close. The problem is that if you're broken, if you haven't been forgiven, and you die not forgiven, you can't go to the perfect place that God has where God is and where he only allows holiness because you're, you're broken. Now, um, Jesus, so that's the three circles. Any questions? Yes. Well, you repent and you believe in the in what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. So this is this is where you repent and believe in the gospel, and the, then Jesus sends you. Yeah. Put a big cross right here. Now, let me just say a couple things about one thing about forgiveness. Um, Ray, I love you. Let's say I punch Ray in the face. 
Now, I don't know why my examples always have to do with punching people in the face. I think they do. But um, let's say I punch Ray in the face. Can Rick forgive me for punching Ray in the face? Why not? Because I punched Ray in the face, right? So only Ray can forgive me because he's the one that I, that, that I sinned against. And furthermore, only he can forgive me because he's the one that suffered for what I did. So uh, in, in another example, if, if, uh, if I was a kid and my father said, you know, don't hit, don't hit your brother, and then I hit my brother. I've got a younger brother. I used to hit him all the time. Um, maybe that's where the example comes from. But... Um, <laughs> I sinned against my father and I hurt my brother. I need forgiveness from both of them. Now, what's, what's amazing is that when we sin, who do we sin against? We sin against God. Because we sin, we sin against God. Only God can forgive us. So God came in the flesh, is what the Bible says, as Jesus, he came, Jesus got on the cross, and he suffered the consequence of our sin. And because he alone suffered for what we have done, he alone can offer forgiveness. So only God can forgive us because he's the one that we wronged, and only Jesus can offer forgiveness because he's the one who suffered for us. That's why there's no salvation uh, through Buddhism. That's why there's no salvation through Hinduism or, or any other religion that's out there. That's why we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that there is no way to the Father, there's no way back here except through me, because that's what Jesus taught, because he's the one who suffered for us. He's the one who died for our sins. He's the one that we offended with our sin, and he came down so that he could save us. And if you believe that, if you believe that and you repent and you say, I'm done with the brokenness, I'm done trying to figure it out on my own, I'm done trying to glue the Legos together in a way that doesn't make sense, I want to come back here. If you believe that and you repent, you're automatically saved by the blood of Jesus who died for your sins. Let me say one other thing. The word that Jesus uses um, that we translate as hell is Gehenna. Gehenna is a place right outside Jerusalem. And uh, um, the, a, a very old tradition is that, um, is that it, it was a dump. And it's actually, it was a place where children were sacrificed to false gods and it was a place where such bad things had happened that it was considered cursed. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad place. It's a bad place. And Jesus uses that place that, uh, you know, the, the tradition is that it would actually ended up getting used just to dump all the trash. And Jesus uses that place as the name for the eternal destruction for people who, who never make it past here. Gehenna, that's hell. Now, imagine this, and this, this might help you understand. Hopefully, my prayer is that this will help you communicate to someone one day the gospel. If I have a plate, like a paper plate, 
and, uh, and it's clean, can I go put it in the cupboard? Can I put it in the kitchen? It's a clean plate. I'm just, I, I have a clean plate. I can go put it, I can put it back, right? It can go in the kitchen. And if I put a bunch of food on it and I eat on it and, I, and, I, and, I, and it gets dirty, can I go put it back in the cupboard? Yeah, if you, if you said yes, you're not welcome at my house. I'm just letting you know. That's, that's weird, okay? It's gross. No, the answer is no. If you get the plate dirty, where does it go? It goes in the trash. It's not that you look at the plate and go, I'm making a decision. You're trash. Now I'm going to throw you in the trash. It's that once you're dirty, that's just where you go. That's just where you go. That's the natural conclusion of something uh, disposable getting dirty and not being used anymore. Like a dirty plate that you're still using is fine because you're still using it. But once you're not using it anymore, it's going to go in the trash. And in, in John chapter three, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. And then, it, and then in verse 18, it says this. Jesus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Now get this. Jesus is saying that God's judgment is, is, is not, it's not an arbitrary judgment. If you're dirty, if you've been marred by sin, if you've been scarred and your soul is not clean, has not been forgiven, the natural conclusion for your soul is to go to the dump. It's to go to hell. That's not because God sends you to hell. It's because that's where... That's where everything goes that's not perfect and clean and holy. That's just the natural conclusion for what you've done is that you can't be with God forever. But God made a way for you to be forgiven. If you believe it and if you repent, God will clean your heart. He'll forgive you and he'll set you on a course to pursuing God's design. And if that's where your soul is, if you've been cleaned by the gospel, when you die, you go to be with God forever. There's a, another way to share the gospel and, and I'll do this quickly and I don't think we're gonna get to the last one. But this way is called uh, the way of the master and you can find, there's, you can find plenty of, about it online if you, if you like it. Um, the idea is to, is to start off by thinking about God as a judge, okay? Now, just so you know, uh, every culture that's out there has a spiritual belief. Uh, there aren't any that don't. Every culture has a spiritual belief, and one thing that almost all of those cultures have in common within their spiritual framework is that there is some kind of a judgment. There's some kind of a God or gods who are going to judge. Even in Greek mythology, the gods on Mount Olympus, they look down and they, they, they de make determinations about how they feel about what's going on down there. And then they get involved if they want to. Uh, 
it's just a common thing. It is something that God has locked into our hearts from, from creation, that there is a judgment, okay? So think about God as a judge, and that's something that most people can agree about. God is a judge. And in this cosmic courtroom that you're going to end up in one day, the bad news is that you're guilty, okay? Because you've done things that violate God's laws. Now, in this particular method, it's it maybe the easiest way to frame that out is by using the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Ever in your life? Have you ever cheated? Ever in your life? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours in your life? Um, have you ever killed somebody? Well, and Jesus says that if you have hatred in your heart, you've killed them already. Have you ever committed adultery? Jesus says if you have lust in your heart for someone else, you've committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever done any of those things? And, and everybody has. Everybody has. So we establish that, that, that there is guilt. Now, when you go into the, the courtroom before the, the, the eternal judge, you're going to be guilty. Now, here's the lie. You ready? The lie is that you're going to be, you're judged based on like the whole of your life, the sum of what you've done, the good things and bad things. That is never, ever, ever how judgment works in a courtroom. That's never how justice works. Because imagine some, some rich person who gives a lot of money and is like, oh, I built six hospitals. And the judge goes, well, you killed this guy. Yes, but I've saved thousands of lives through the hospitals that I built. Well, that's true. Well, I guess you're due a killing spree. Go ahead. You've done, you've done, you've saved more lives, you know, if you're on balance. Guys, that's not how justice works. We understand that, right? You're not judged based on the whole of your life. You're judged based on the things that you've done. You're judged based on the wrongs you've committed. When you go to court, you're being judged based on
Okay. When you get to heaven and you stand before God's judgment, you've already died. So God's judgment, when he says that the wages of sin is death, that's what the Bible says, that's not just talking about your death here. It's talking about the fact that you can't get here. You can't end up in eternal life. You end up in eternal death. Locked away in God's wrath, apart from his love, the way that he designed it. That's the punishment. But Jesus, amen? But Jesus offers forgiveness. And what, what, the way it works in the courtroom, again, we're in this courtroom. You're standing before God and he's judging you and you're guilty. And he says the, the, the punishment for your sin is eternal separation from me, from my love, and eternity in my wrath. What the Bible calls eternal death. And that's how it will be for all of us, because we're all guilty. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. You're guilty. We're all guilty. None of us are righteous. Not one. But if you have trusted Jesus with your life, if you believe that he lived and he died for your sins, that he can forgive you, if you believe that, the Bible says that the blood of Christ covers you and you've been forgiven and you are declared righteous by the blood of Christ. Not because you are righteous, but because God declares you righteous because of what Jesus did for you and because you belong to him. Jesus stands next to you in this courtroom and says, he's with me, she's with me, and then you get to go to heaven. And for people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're this close. Who will tell them? Will you? You have to. Because it's worth everything. It's worth making a fool out of yourself. It's worth being overly aggressive. It really is. But let's start here. Let's start by praying for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray that God will open a door. Uh, at Aiden's birthday party yesterday, there was a, a young guy who brought his daughter, um, and uh, we, and we were talking, and um, he's not a believer, and we started talking, and he said, what do you do? And I hate that question. Sometimes ends conversations fast. I said, I'm a pastor at, at, at a church that's right down the street from the school. And he said, really? How long have you been doing that? And I said, almost two years. And John said, a day that'll live in infamy. And I said, yeah, I got my anniversaries coming up with the church. And we started talking, and, and I, I mentioned him. I was like, I, yeah, I don't, know where, I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know what your relationship with, with, with God is like, or you know, if you believe. Um, but, and had just a really cool, very small conversation with him. And, and let me tell you this, every word... Every moment that I had with him throughout the entire party, I had those moments with the intention of being able at one point to share the gospel with him. 
because Jesus loves him. And if he doesn't know that, he's going to end up eternally separated from Jesus. And I care too much about that guy that I don't even know. I care too much to just let it be like that. He has to know. He has to know. And if I'm not going to tell him, who will? That's the responsibility that we have. So I'm going to wrap up, and I want you to think about one person that you know. And I want you to take the next minute, 60 seconds, to pray that God would give you an open door to share the gospel with that person, that one person. Now, we're going to be sensitive to any door that God opens, amen? But there's one person, and I want you to pray that God would would provide an opportunity for you to to show them what it looks like to go from brokenness to forgiveness. Any door will do. Let's pray.